This morning, we celebrate the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. We honor his legacy as a community builder. And we take this opportunity to also lift up community members that worked closely with Dr. King, giving him the support and encouragement he needed. Dr. King's legacy of building the beloved community is the gift of being aware that we need one another, that all our lives we are in need of support from others, and that change doesn't happen because of one individual. It takes a movement. It takes collective action, one that requires trust and patience, collaboration, creativity, flexibility, vision, courage, and so much more. All too often, we do this navigating the choppy waters when there's differences of opinion, when we realize our own limitation when it comes to diversity and human rights. In the story of Bayard Rustin, there is embedded a tender story about Dr. King's humanity, his vulnerability, his limitations within the movement. There's also a story about invisibility and rejection, fear and distrust, embarrassment and downright homophobia within a movement working towards liberation, but not liberation for all at that time. Too often, we are not invited to reflect on Dr. King's struggle within the struggle, as if to do so would be disrespectful or even a betrayal of his memory and legacy. We all know that there's always more than one story. We have looked at the civil rights movement from Dr. King's perspective and also from Rosa Parks' perspective and gotten a glimpse from a woman's perspective, but never really from an intersectional perspective. Bayard Rustin, African-American, Quaker, musician, pacifist, labor leader, communist, at least for some time until the party would not go along with desegregation and gay. Now, when I see the photograph of the March on Washington with Dr. King delivering his I Have a Dream speech, I can recognize Bayard always in the background. And I wonder, what was Bayard's dream beyond race and desegregation? As we heard in the story, he was born in 1912, raised by his Quaker grandmother, and grew up surrounded by liberal thinkers whose values and principles upheld the inherent worth and dignity of all, the belief that all people were created equal before God. This meant that at least within his close family circle, his being gay was accepted with love and respect. His grandmother, as we heard, belonged to the NAACP, and she often invited to her home well-known social justice leaders and intellectuals, giving Bayard an early education in human rights. Bayer found in labor organizing really a passion. He dedicated himself to the labor movement. It's no surprise that he joined the Communist Party as a union organizer, and it's also not a surprise that he left the party when they didn't support desegregation. Bayard loved, loved, loved music. 
And when he was 27 years old, he starred in the musical John Henry with Paul Robeson. He also made several recordings. He taught himself to play the lute in prison. In 1942, 13 years before Rosa Parks' courageous protest, Bayard refused to move to the back of the bus, was beaten and arrested. He was part of the Congress of Racial Equality and the American Friends Service Committee and participated in actions to denounce the Japanese internment camps and to protect the homes and businesses of Japanese Americans. Inspired by his Quaker beliefs, Bayard came a conscientious objector during World War II, refusing to show up for the draft board's medical examination, and he was punished with 28 months in a federal prison. I think he was arrested and sent to jail something like 22 or 23 times over his lifetime. In 1943, when he was released from prison, he went to India to study Gandhi's pacifist movement. From this experience in India, he learned nonviolent tactics that inspired him. In 1947, he organized the very first freedom rides in the South. He was arrested and sentenced to prison and hard labor. And as we heard, he was sentenced to a chain gag, change gang, hard labor. But Bayard, even in prison, never stopped singing. In answer to the question, why haven't most people heard more about Bayard Rustin? Let me ask here, how many of you had heard about Bayard before today? Okay. Okay, some. So why haven't most people heard about him? The Reverend Charles Stevens writes, the reason why he became so invisible as our civil rights leader and among other groups was because he was a proud and exuberant gay man. Rustin was frequently pushed aside because of his courageous honesty about his homosexuality. Long before most others, Bayard saw his struggle against oppression as a homosexual as part and parcel of his civil rights struggle against oppression as a black man in America. President Barack Obama said about Bayard, and I quote, You may not know the name Bayard Rustin, but you should. Bayard was a giant in the civil rights movement and an inspiration to me and thousands around the world in the cause of freedom and justice. He is one of the greats. As an out gay man in a far less tolerant time, Bayard never hid who he was, but the discrimination he faced meant that he was too often overlooked and held back. And yet Bayard persevered. He kept speaking out. He kept organizing, and because he did, the world changed. The March on Washington never would have happened without him. His story is not just about him. It's the story of thousands of ordinary folks who showed the world what America looks like at our best. All these years later, their work continues to give us a roadmap to confront the injustices of our time. As president, he continues, I had the honor of awarding Bayer the Medal of Freedom posthumously, not just for his work on the march, but for a lifetime spent bending the arc of the moral universe towards justice, 
end quote. Byard was openly gay at a time when being gay was illegal. Byard was arrested and spent 60 days in prison on moral charges for having sex with men. It took 67 years, so 33 years after his death, for Byard to receive a pardon from California Governor Newsom, who stated, and I quote, Mr. Rustin was criminalized because of stigma, bias, and ignorance. With this act of executive clemency, I acknowledge the inherent injustice of this conviction, an injustice that was compounded by his political opponent's use of the record of this case to try to undermine him, his associates, and the civil rights movement. Law enforcement and prosecutors specifically targeted LGBTQ individuals, communities, and community spaces for criminal prosecution, end quote. Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, the chairwoman of the California Legislative Black Caucus, said the pardon would finally remove a stain on Rustin's legacy. She said the arc of justice is long, but it took nearly 70 years for Bayer Rustin to have his legacy in the civil rights movement uncompromised by this incident. Rustin was a great American who was both gay and black at a time when the sheer fact of being either or both could land you in jail, end quote. Beloveds, today we lift up Bayer Rustin as the architect of the March on Washington and so much more. Looking back, we can count Bayard as a pioneer in the LGBTQ liberation movement. We recognize, too, that Dr. King struggled with the fact that many of his black clergy colleagues and those in his inner circle wanted Dr. King to distance himself from Bayard. They opposed having an ex-communist and openly gay man being one of Dr. King's close advisors. They feared the political backlash that could negatively impact the civil rights movement progress. To his credit, Dr. King's response to all of this was, you're doing the same thing to Bayard that Hoover did to us. Beloveds, as we live Bayard's legacy, as the one who learned Gandhi's pacifist tactics and influenced Dr. King to adopt the nonviolent approach that characterizes the civil rights movement, we honor him as a holy troublemaker. In Bayard's words, it occurred to me shortly after that that it was an absolute necessity for me to declare my homosexuality because if I didn't, I was part of the prejudice. I was aiding and abetting the prejudice that was a part of the effort to destroy me. When an individual is protesting society's refusal to acknowledge his dignity as a human being, his very act of protest confers dignity on him. We need in every community a group of angelic troublemakers. Let me repeat that. We need in every community a band of angelic troublemakers. May we be inspired by Bayard's lifelong commitment to social justice. May we hold his story and his courage alongside Dr. King's as a beacon of hope as we continue to struggle, to organize, to protest, to dream, and to sing for peace, 
for justice and freedom for all. May we continue singing songs of freedom and bending the arc of the universe towards justice as the holy troublemakers that we are. Amen and blessed be.